I the yes. the movie that has never been made that I desperately want to be seen be made is like the little old lady mafia. Like all of the Nonas, <laughs> all the Irish grandmothers get together and they just run their neighborhoods because they already do. We all know it's happening. <laughs> just make a all movie right, about it. I'm gonna write the script and you give it to you and then do whatever you want with it. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I cannot wait. <laughs> There's gonna be so many old women. <laughs> this is how what everyone wants. All of the old women in Hollywood who have been looking for roles, we've got them for you. Hit us up. <laughs> we can make this happen. Think of like the Golden Girls, oh, but the Godfather. Yes, yes exactly. That's exactly That's what I want. <laughs> That's what's happening. Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by Pushing Up Roses. Uh, Roses, welcome to the show. Hello. My cat says hello, too. Wow, what <laughs> wonderful timing. Incredible. <laughs> welcome to the show. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> we love a guest episode, and uh, we love when we have more than one guest, so very exciting. Uh, what's your cat's name, by the way? Basket. Oh. That's the perfect cat name. I love it. <laughs> Isn't it so cute? She came with that name uh, from Aww. the adoption center because uh, they didn't know much about her background. She was just kind of wandering the streets of Milwaukee and uh, Chicago Rescue picked her up. And uh, they named her Basket because she was brought in around Easter. Aww. And I, yeah, and I just couldn't bring myself to change it. I thought it was so cute. <laughs> Incredible. Well, happy uh, almost birthday almost adoption pickup day to basket oh, yeah. i guess we're getting close Aww. to easter here um that's true oh <laughs> thanks for reminding <laughs> anytime uh but to loop back around to why we're here uh, i have one question for you and it's the question that i ask every guest at the beginning of the show um why did we watch death to smoochie well we watched death to smoochie because i think it is a criminally underrated dark comedy that gets a very bad reputation and hmm. i just wanted to share some of this love i have for death to smoochie with other people and hopefully you enjoyed it too and uh <laughs> you'll be excited to talk about some of its eccentricities it's a very bonkers off the rails movie and i also think it's very unique it has a very unique plot mm -hmm. and i just i need other people to know about it i need people <laughs> to like watch this and just watch this like train wreck of a plot it's fantastic yeah happy to give you the platform this is one of the few movies we've done on this podcast that i hadn't seen prior to it being uh, selected by roses here so i i definitely have a lot of thoughts on it and i i enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to so i'm excited mm -hmm. to talk about it so why don't we just dive right in uh we open on very bouncy kids m m morning show style music it's the theme song to smoochie's show we fade up into this red lit ominous looking soundstage where a, a hippo suit that we can only assume is smoochie bounces towards us as the song continues to tell us all about smoochie's happy magic jungle uh we watch as <laughs> smoochie is brutally murdered on that very set it happens that it, it happens. <laughs> the risk of the biz. That's <laughs> we'll find out. That's the risk uh, of the uh, children's program business. <laughs> you gotta watch yeah, your that's back. The, the dark side of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood that you never saw. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to six months earlier where uh, we enter the, this time, different TV programming, but still children's focused, sort of a theme you might notice throughout the uh, mm -hmm. movie here. 
Rainbow Randolph's show, America's favorite children's TV host, it's Robin Williams, which was yes. always a delight to see. The incomparable, <laughs> incomparable Robin mm-hmm. Williams. Wonderful. Yes, and he's dressed in this wild sequined rainbow blazer with a matching bowler hat as he dances and sings his way onto the set, joined by Angelo Pike and the Wrinkle Kids. I may have autocorrected that the, incorrectly in my notes. Oh my gosh. Yes, the, cr- the Crinkle Kids. Yes, because later they become the Rhinettes. And now, right yes. now, they're Rainbow Randolph's is Crinkle Kids. What a weird. Yes. Crinkle? What? They I just really like, thought um... about that. <laughs> It's a weird name. It's a weird choice of name. It doesn't roll off the tongue super well. I guess it's alliteration, but only technically. <laughs> also, crinkle? Yeah, I, I don't know if I've yeah. ever thought about that before. And now I'm, my mind is a little blown. <laughs> it's just one of those fun little details that as soon as you have to say it out loud back to yourself, you're like, wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> and they're all sort of dressed in each individual color of the rainbow. And they look a little bit like Oompa Loompas from Charlie uh, and the Chocolate Factory. They do. As we exit this announcer-led title sequence, we jump into Rainbow singing about how friends come in all sizes, getting some audience participation, you know, from the kids that are there on set. And as the song concludes, the voiceover kicks back in with this time uh, Robin Williams' Rainbow hawking his own tie-in products for his show, all sorts of, you know, sweets and plastic for the kids. That, I love quoting all of that. I just, the, the way Robin Williams says, it's not free. <laughs> I just cracked up so hard. He's such a good salesman and he gets to really shine in that bit here. You just, yeah. all of, it's been so long since I've watched a really good Robin Williams movie because I just haven't watched a Robin Williams movie in a while. So this was a, a perfect little dose of like, oh yes, that hit, all of his delivery, his performance just sells me on whatever he's talking about. I like I like this intro because it really sets mm-hmm. the tone and just puts the theme right out there for you. You have like a children's show, but mm-hmm. also there's this like capitalistic part of it, right? Where right. he's like peddling these ridiculous products at you and you get it all in that one scene. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect little teaser of what the rest of the movie is going to feel and mm-hmm. look like, uh, which is chef's kiss. We love to see it um, <laughs> as the kids sort of cheer we we fade away from this bright and colorful world into a more dimly lit bar where uh, a man and a woman approach a much more nefarious looking robin williams rainbow sitting at a nearby table and present him very slowly and cautiously with a briefcase that is full of you guessed it uh, my mystery thriller and or spy genre savvy friends money <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what's in that briefcase mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But we get the glory ben shot of Franklin's. it just in case you were unsure. <laughs> <laughs> they ask that he ensure their son is front row at his show and that, you know, he'll even get to sit in Rainbow's chair. It's <laughs> so, in- like, that's so absurd. <laughs> just, like, hearing it back. Like, if this is the worst thing. And, and keep in mind, like, this guy is portrayed in this scene as very criminal, mm-hmm. right? He's like at the seat and they're like doing the secret like negotiation and you find out all it is is getting paid off to put the kid in the front of the show yep. that's that's it <laughs> that's show business i guess that's kind of the yep. tagline of the movie but you know yeah. he you know he brushes them off he he tells them you know he'll call if a spot opens up and goes to take the money and leave uh, but as he turns to exit the bar the parents whip out guns and turn around freeze <laughs> cocksucker drop the briefcase <laughs> They were FBI agents all along, and Rainbow is under arrest. 
<laughs> I can't believe they pushed it that far to be like, freeze, cocksucker. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Um, but Danny DeVito's kind of like hard like that. Like mm-hmm. he does a lot of dark humor. I think he does it the best. Um, yeah. But that, that line actually shocked me. At first, I'm like, geez, all he did was take some money for a kid. <laughs> like, it just turns into this controversy. It's brilliant. Yeah, compared to some of the stuff that happens to other children's performers or happens by yeah. other children's performers later in the movie, this initial setup seems dramatic at first. But having watched the whole movie now, I'm like, wow, he really didn't do that much compared to what some other people <laughs> will get away with. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is also a good t- time to bring it up. But Danny DeVito did direct this movie in addition to uh, mm-hmm. acting in it. Uh, which was a fun fact I learned after I watched it. I was like, oh, hey, that makes that makes the style make a lot of sense. Um, yes. Yeah. It's it's very, very Danny DeVito. And I like the role mm-hmm. he plays, too. Yes. Uh, which we'll get to <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. A news anchor reports that Rainbow was busted by the feds in Patsy's bar, which is a fantastic bar name. <laughs> 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 You're Patsy taking the fall. You go to Patsy's bar. We, go, oh, yeah. I loved that detail. Uh, his bust is all over the news. His show canceled. The set dismantled, etc., etc. And from an extreme high angle, we then go to Mr. Frank Stokes, who is addressing a board, the board of Kidnet TV, as we'll learn, who are unhappy about the current situation with their star performer and they just aren't having it when frank says he has replacements lined up they only care about the actor being squeaky clean they can't have another scandal on their hands another scandal (laughs) i just want to know what other scandals that they're having if this is like one of the worst you know Oh, yeah. Uh, And in the next scene, we go to uh, Frank chatting with a woman, Nora Wells, uh, and they kind of list off a bunch of potential replacements for the rainbow time slot. And as they do, we sort of learn some of the other possible scandals that they could end up with. Their (laughs) children's performers that they list off are drug addicts or have some sort of like money laundering scandal, just any any crime under the sun. And every the more ridiculous and more wholesome their name, the more inane or insane that their uh, particular crimes may be. None of them clean enough to fill the, the show and keep the executives happy. Frank finally asks Nora about Sheldon Mopes, a.k.a. Smoochie the Rhino. What a Nora name. Seemed, <laughs> what a name. <laughs> Sheldon, can we just like have a moment for the name Sheldon Mopes? <laughs> Sheldon Mopes is almost as good of a performer's name as Smoochie the Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> he could have went with Sheldon Mopes Sheldon. and it would have been fine. Yes. <laughs> Instead of Smoochie. It, it almost sounds like Smoochie when you say it all together, which I guess might be why he's named that. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, it does. You're right. If you say it fast enough. <laughs> oh, it's a great name. I love a lot of the, the names in this movie all almost feel like a children's book character. I mean, Nora kind of feels that way. Frank sort of feels that way. Some of the um, mobsters we'll meet later on are certainly named <laughs> like characters oh, yeah. rather than people. Uh, and I think that all goes to help kind of the weird tone that this movie is trying to set. Yeah, it's 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 so off the rails that it makes sense, like mm-hmm. in the lore that you're given. Yeah, it, it all sort of gets tied together. It's so over the top and committed to its bit that it kind of makes you buy into the absolute <laughs> yeah. nonsense, like warped reality version of the real world that you, you see throughout. Nora is skeptical about bringing in Smoochie the Rhino, aka Sheldon Mopes. Uh, after all, as she describes, he's just a sap in a suit. But Frank, who is also played by a young John Stewart, uh, which I did yeah. not clock at first because he looks so young. <laughs> Choices with that hair. Uh-huh. Choices. And uh, 
I think he went on record later just saying he is not proud of this acting job. I think it's fine. I don't know how you feel about the acting overall, but it's such a small role. I thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. It fulfilled the role of kind of skeezy. What was his role in the movie? What was his job? I guess just Uh, another agent. I'm not sure. Yeah, Nora's like an executive producer, co-producer type thing. I assumed that he was in a similar role, but he doesn't seem to be very heavily involved with the show once it's going. So it's hard. I guess he's just kind of ambiguously producing for the network. A fixer of sorts. Yeah, I thought he did a a good job. You know, not exceptional, but not poor either. Um, Right. It didn't take me out or anything. Uh, It's interesting that he looks back on it. He's like, I just didn't quite nail it. Uh, Because it is quite a small role, too. It is, yeah. But Jon Stewart, a.k.a. Frank, does believe that Mopes is their guy. He's so unthreatening. He's squeaky clean. He's perfect for the job. Nora goes to call Sheldon to book him, but gets his comical answering machine. (laughs) One of those, uh, you know, says hello, waits a second, then reveals that it is, in fact, the answering machine. uh, (laughs) Which tells her that she can catch him at his regular gig at the Coney Island Methadone Clinic. Nora heads. To- <laughs> uh, Nora heads to snowy Coney Island, where she catches the end of Smoochie's uh, night as a man in a pink rhino costume, presumably Smoochie the Rhino, sings a guitar ditty about getting the addicts off of that smack. <laughs> Get you off that smacko <laughs> and the cracko. <laughs> the, the songs mo- in this movie yes. are wonderful. They're so good. They're so clever. The wordplay in them is so clever. The performance is great. And they're all like very simple kind of guitar ditties that you would get in the sing-along in a TV show. But then there's just the lyrics are... I said clever a lot, but clever is the right word. Almost like Raffi. Do you remember yeah. Raffi? Yeah, he Vaguely. was like... I loved him. He's the one who sang Banana Phone. I think that's mm-hmm. like his most... And Baby Beluga. And that's... I don't know if they were going for that. But when they cut to him at Coney Island, just kind of singing with his acoustic guitar in this very rudimentary costume, right? It's mm-hmm. just like the ugliest costume out of felt and fuzz. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. And he doesn't really, he doesn't really care about his audience. He just like cares that his message is like heard. Yes, we'll learn that Sheldon is very dedicated to getting a, a message across, usually one he cares about. He almost disregards all other elements of his career as long as he is pushing a message that he believes in, which is part of why he's mm-hmm. now here at the Coney Island Methadone Clinic performing to the addicts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nora catches Sheldon on his way out after the show and asks to talk. And at first he thinks that she's there to get help and suggests that she go inside to see one of the trained counselors. But she clarifies that she works for KidNet uh, and that really grabs Sheldon's attention and excites him. The two head to a nearby deli as Sheldon tells Nora all about himself. You know, he was born on the same day of the first episode of Sesame Street airing. Excuse me. <laughs> he convinced his deli guys to throw some soy hot dogs on the grill. Just the two of them that he ends up purchasing a mixed in amongst all of the regular Coney Island dogs. And that his friends tell him he needs to learn how to sell himself. So we learn, you know, he's he's a man of conviction and also not a great salesman maybe a little bit naive about the ways of the the showbiz if you will (laughs) very naive but also just very um excited energetic Mm -hmm. just being like yeah i'll get you on these gluten-free dogs or buns (laughs) and 
I was yeah, I I distinctly remember what that hot dog looked like. Uh, yes, it's like yellow, and then he puts some like <laughs> black tar on it, and it like gets all in his teeth. And you're right, there's like a, a, a naivety, like an obliviousness mm-hmm. about what he's saying. Yes, he he so strongly believes in his convictions, almost to the uh, complete blinders on for everything else around him. But he still managed to make a way in his world and seems content with himself despite that. Uh, Sheldon kind of continues to talk to Nora and reveals that he believes children's entertainment is about doing a good show with a good message. That's his core belief. And Nora explains that the reason that she's here talking to him is because she's actually looking for a performer with such convictions and integrity. And he's like, wait, you're ready for smoochy quality? (laughs) (laughs) I like her answer. Yeah, we're ready to go to that level. (laughs) Clever. He's thrilled. She's okay with having fulfilled the job she set out to do uh and he agrees to go work for nora slash kidnet sheldon goes through a montage of getting a new and improved smoochy costume made with high quality googly eyes and much more well-constructed felt than his previous uh helmet with some you know shoddy and maybe a little bit dirty pink felt on top of it mm-hmm. the set and is it happens fast oh yeah um, there's just basically looks like one, uh, fitting session while they actively put the costume together, which I've only done a little bit yeah. of costuming in my life, but it usually takes a little bit longer than that. Yeah. I, I kind of like that they pushed the story. I like this. Mm-hmm. If this isn't like abundantly clear, this happens in maybe the first 15 minutes. Yeah. And, and now we have a new story. We have like a new story. Rainbow Randolph is gone. We have Smoochie, and it's it's done. He's happening. He's got his dream job, and it, you just pushed right into it. And I like that. I like kind of a fast-paced mm-hmm. story. I think. Yeah, it's this is the setup, and we we you know we we don't want to dwell too long on it. I think that movie moving directly from that right into just the actual core interesting bit of the story that we're going to live in for most of the movie, and doing that quickly right. is only to the benefit of the kind of weird tone and very twisty and turny story that will ensue. But as, as you mentioned, the set's rebuilt, sign goes up in Times Square, Smoochie show, Angelo and the kids, quote unquote, get uh, outfitted for new costumes, all to match Smoochie's more jungle animal themed shtick. The kids uh, all cheer as the show begins for the first time for Smoochie. Bouncy music kicks in, uh, his theme kicking up. And newspaper headlines fade across the street screen telling us about how the show is an immediate success. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems that our man has, has found his niche. That night down at the docks, a hooded and much more grungy looking rainbow meets up with Frank, who asks, uh, <laughs> who asks him not to do this as rainbow begins to lament his former glory, letting himself into <laughs> Frank's his car. His former glory of a week ago. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he just his falls former... so quickly. <laughs> his kids' uh, <laughs> children's entertainment fame already gone out the window. Um, <laughs> you know, Frank is like, ugh, whatever. They had some sort of deal together where parts of, you know, Rainbow's cuts of that uh, good, good parent bribe money was going to Frank and other such skimming off the top. Uh, and when Frank's like, why, you know, why should I help you? Rainbow's whole demeanor kind of shifts and suddenly he's angry because he's Rainbow fucking Randolph. That's why. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He begs Frank to help fix the mess that he's in. He wants his old time slot back and he wants Smoochie the Rhino out. Uh, But Frank's like, I can't do anything for you. You're a pariah now. You've Rainbow's yeah. lost everything. He uses that word, pariah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Again, dramatic. The, the drama of children's uh, programming. 
Uh, you know, Frank's a little frustrated because, you know, Smoochie is all about running a clean show and he doesn't get his extra cut anymore, but he's not willing to stick his neck out to help Rainbow at all. Um, he does offer him a Rainforest Benefit freebie bag before telling him <laughs> never to contact Frank again. Uh, <laughs> but Rainbow throws the bag down and gets out of the car furious instead, resigning to do something on his own. I mean, I'd be furious if somebody gave me a basket full of crap. Like, oh, yeah. Have you ever like, had one of those baskets? They're <laughs> terrible. They're never good. There's never anything useful in them. It's always just sort of like a bag of just stuff that's going to live in a bin under your bed for like a year until you finally go and clear it all out someday. It's just Or not I'm worth just it. like, I'm hungry. <laughs> this is all I have. I will yes. eat these pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this like three-month-old caramel corn will have to do. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of stuff that no one particularly needs, they go to a meeting about branded toys and items all for the Smoochie Show. Uh, Sheldon has a lot of questions for Nora about these products that they're hawking, but she kind of blows right past him and ignores him, okaying a bunch of products uh, when he calls a timeout. He wants them to re-examine their principles and focus on creating a good show to earn the trust of the kids rather than branding and all this plastics and sugar and what has you. His appeal fails, however, and Nora, uh, eager to get him out of the room, throws a frisbee out through the door, which he goes to fetch. Uh, And after he leaves, uh, one of the other assistants closes the door of the room so that he cannot get back in and the meeting can continue. (laughs) I found that very, like, kind-hearted that mm-hmm. part in particular i think that really showed like <laughs> she lit i mean she threw this frisbee oh yeah at him he had to dodge it it was really hard it flew out the door and instead of being offended he was just like i'll get it oh yeah. no problem i got the frisbee and i'm like <laughs> man you just can't knock this guy down he's just agonizingly sweet yeah he's be- he's very the reason he says squeaky clean is because he's so uh very genuine he is the children's performer on and off stage, unlike, uh, as it was implied, Rainbow <laughs> seems to be. After work, Sheldon catches up with Nora and, you know, mentions that he's worried his voice isn't being heard uh, in the meetings. He's worried that the show is fine with these silly songs, but has no message. And as we learned earlier, he's all about the message. He has a bunch of original songs that the show just isn't using. Nora is frustrated. She's a no-nonsense businesswoman, so, you know, she's got to be all business-focused, and tells him to stop talking. She didn't discover him. She delivered him. Um, They just needed someone to fill Rainbow's spot, and he's just the next shiny, smiling face to help sell plastics and sugar to kids. It was sad. (laughs) It it made me sad. I'm like, jeez. And he was, like, heartbroken. He really thought that... Mm -hmm. I I think he was under the naive impression that they liked him for his messages and songs and mm-hmm. kind of becoming this like corporate shill like he needs to like come to terms with that yeah and i think there's a part of him too that i think connected with nora in particular she's the one who went to go pick him up from coney island after all mm-hmm. so having her be the one to be like no 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 i don't care either it's all about the the corporate agenda here i think it really just doubles down that little realization he has here in times square mm-hmm The song You're Nobody Till Somebody Loves You kicks in and Sheldon goes to a bar and gets a glass of orange juice. I think it's Patsy's bar again. It's a little hard to tell if it was the same bar set or not, (laughs) which he's putting drops of liquid alfalfa into. And as he informs (laughs) the bartender, that'll really get you that buzz even without the alcohol. (laughs) 
He like giggles. He's like, <laughs> bartender's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> yep. And as he's telling his sad story to the bartender, uh, a, a man enters and sits down next to him. It's Danny DeVito, which uh, we'll learn is introduced, who introduces himself as Burke Bennett, a representer of kids show talent. He's an agent, specifically for the younger stars. Danny DeVito, I wrote him in my notes as Danny DeVito. Burke is a big fan (laughs) of Smoochies, who's just excited (laughs) that someone's recognized him out of the suit. That's never happened before. Not suspicious at all. (laughs) Nope, not even a little bit. You know, he's just so trusting (laughs) (laughs) that uh, he's just excited to meet a fan. He doesn't even think to question it. They get to chatting about how the shady network goons operate. And Sheldon's like, you know, I don't care about the merch. I just want creative input on my show. And Burke explains that in this business, it's all about the dough. If you can get money, you can get power. And once you have power, you can have Smoochie walk out on stage with a dildo strapped to his head if you wanted. That's the kind of influence you could wield. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I never thought about it that way. Like, once again, (laughs) just like, not a mean thing to say, not a comeback Mm -hmm at all just like oh i never thought about it that before (laughs) (laughs) taking it in stride he's very good at rolling with the punches which will really help him out uh, a little bit later burke leaves sheldon with his card and heads out uh, and as sheldon ponders this new business opportunity burke hops on the phone and reports that he's laid the groundwork with uh (laughs) with our dear friend sheldon a piggy bank with horns so to speak to Mm -hmm. the shadowy figure on the other end of the line who we know is working for an organization called Parade of Hope, but little else. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot they actually introduced that very early, Mm -hmm. very early on. You know what I love to hear? A really mean voice on the other line of Parade of Hope. That gives me (laughs) hope. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really, you know, for, as we'll learn, a charitable organization. It's a really um, comforting image that they're putting out there from their leadership. Mm. Later that night, uh, Rainbow is cooking a very special batch of cookies for a very special rhino with, with all of the panache that Robin Williams can bring to a role, which is to say, a lot of panache. <laughs> <laughs> He's unhinged at this point, like oh, early yeah. on, but as soon as he gets busted, he's just unhinged and his mm-hmm. goal becomes to just sabotage. Uh, smoochie yes. not work on himself just you know mm-hmm. sabotage this kind of innocent person yeah he blames smoochie for his downfall even though smoochie more or less didn't exist on the scene until well after rainbow was uh taking off the air but he just he hates that rhino at the smoochie show sheldon asked nora why the please and thank you song was cut and she's like it's sappy kids want the cookie song uh, you know, we're, it's network television. We're not here to keep, teach kids a lesson. And she asked him to not only cut the thank you song, but change the cookie song lyrics back from the uh, originals to the new revised studio approved versions. Smoochie tries to be intimidating, but Nora isn't having it. She's worked in this biz long enough. And she tells him to She's just hardened. go out there and dance for the cameras. <laughs> yes, your classic hardened many kids like pro- you before. TV producer. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cutthroat business. <laughs> like, you know what Steve from Blue's Clues is like? Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you think That'd Steve's bad? You I should see you, what Steve. Blue's like in his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Such a diva. <laughs> uh, he makes one last appeal, but Nora's, you know, 
not having it and he asks her to stop seeing the kids as wallet with wallets with pigtails which is just a very funny image <laughs> i know i i pictured them like dancing around like little wallets <laughs> with like blonde pigtails i'm like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but as he walks off from their fight he uh passes <laughs> some brush on the set where from the shadows emerges a very sinister looking rainbow uh, as he makes his way into the prop room Emptying his bag, he deposits some cookies into one of the props uh, and takes a moment to hug his old rainbow jacket, declaring that Rainbow Randolph will return. Ominous. (laughs) (laughs) Back on the show, Smoochie dances around a circle of cheering children, and as the music ends, he announces, it's magic cookie time. All the kids gather round as Angelo throws Smoochie a baton, and the magic cookie bag descends all of the possible drama of children's TV from the ceiling <laughs> to the waiting arms of the kids. <laughs> That's a great description. <laughs> it really is like that. That is really mm-hmm. what's ha- It's very dramatic. Yeah, the music so far has been very like upbeat and kind of jaunty and goofy, and then it gets incredibly mm-hmm. tense and almost operatic <laughs> as the yeah, it cookie does. bag is descending. Uh, That's how I feel when drama. I see a cookie bag. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> Uh, Rainbow is, of course, watching this whole affair from the rafters, anxiously awaiting Smoochie to remove a cookie from the bag, always saying, take out the cookie, take out the cookie. Uh, But first, of course, we have to sing the cookie song with all of the words still at their original organic cookie descriptions, not changed back to the sugary version as Nora demanded. Um, (laughs) Cookies flavored naturally with juice and what have you. I guess maybe lemon juice would be a good cookie juice flavoring. I guess I've I've definitely had cookies with apple juice, but those mm. were like oatmeal cookies made with like apple mm. juice and applesauce and stuff like that. Yeah, I think other than like some lemon drop cookies, I don't think I've ever used juice as a primary cookie ingredient. But maybe who knows? Maybe Smoochie's onto something. <laughs> it's fresh from the soil, though, <laughs> as the lyrics say. I, now I'm really curious about what the other lyrics were. The uh, the sugary like, lyrics. Yeah. And I have to wonder if you made a cookie based on the lyrics that he lays out in the healthy version, like what it actually would taste like if you just took those as the steps and tried to make yeah. a recipe from it. I'm not a good enough baker for that, but maybe someone out there can take care of it. <laughs> tell us our, tell us your cookie thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Chime off. No, not in the comments, but on Twitter or something. I don't know. Tweet at us. <laughs> Smoochie finally digs into the cookie bag and pulls out, instead of a normal cookie, a dick-shaped cookie, and the crowd goes silent. (laughs) Smoochie (laughs) struggles to say what the shape of the cookie is, eventually saving the day and landing on a rocket ship. Crisis averted. (laughs) It's a rocket ship. And the kids, they're not dumb. They're kind of like giggling. They're like, I kind of, I kind of. But then they also full-heartedly believe that it's a mm-hmm. rocket ship, right when Smoochie says that. Yes, he's he's got that really trustworthy uh, rhino face, so they just they believe what he's <laughs> telling them. Uh, and as everyone begins to cheer again, the tone of the show picking back up, uh, Smoochie leads everyone over to the band. Nora breathes a sigh of relief, but before they can rest on their laurels, Rainbow bursts back onto the stage yelling about how it's obviously a dick, you sick fuck, and just blurting out every possible euphemism for um, dick that Robin Williams, I assume, could have thought of in the moment. <laughs> I can only assume that, that there was some impro- improv there. 
uh, mm-hmm. since he is such a brilliant uh, improviser. <laughs> I also, I tried to pay attention during that scene because I was kind of wondering what he was allowed to say in mm-hmm. front of such small children. So you will see like strategic scenes where he's clearly <laughs> not in front of children and then other scenes where some of the lesser, I don't know, are there mm. lesser, are there better <laughs> words for dick? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. yeah, you can kind of tell they switch that around. Yeah, he's, you know, he goes all in on the uh, euphemisms. And it's it's funny, too, because the kids all clearly kind of know what's up. Because they're laughing along around him, even yeah. as he's being escorted out by security. Uh, <laughs> eventually <laughs> falling down some stairs in uh, <laughs> quite dramatic fashion. Frac- uh, frac- I've lost the ability to speak the English language. Fashion. <laughs> it gets very, um, I would say slapstick, but I, I would say it's mm-hmm. even a little more violent than slapstick um rainbow randolph just gets beat up like just really (laughs) really beat up throughout this movie yeah he he's the one who i think takes the most hits um without it being an immediate death sentence and it just really and all of them are performed very comedically because he's sort of a comic relief character despite his main goal being to uh murder one of the our other leads in a weird way <laughs> yeah he definitely is he's playing the the comedic role and doing a lot mm-hmm. of physical like a lot of yes. physical comedy for rainbow Randolph. yes uh even falling down the stairs here you know we see the wide shot as he tumbles down uh quite comically and eventually hits his head and i think the sound effect at the very end uh is not quite <laughs> diegetic it's a little bit of like that symbol hit when you hit the wall yeah uh <laughs> it's just very funny even though it's very dangerous yeah and i i typically don't like really violent humor but for Mm -hmm. some reason because robin williams is so brilliant and he has almost a warmth about him Mm -hmm. i don't mind it as much i think it works yeah and i think there's a a little bit of uh, not edge that's taken off of it but danger uh you're never really concerned that he's actually going to be severely injured by the more physical humor at least as rainbow uh and i think that kind of helps it mesh in with the rest of the movie which is a, a the big part of this movie is the juxtaposition of like here is a very safe comforting children's happy sphere and then also the dark underbelly of children's tv (laughs) programming so that kind of (laughs) dichotomy is is carrying out the rest of the film but it's really easy to see it in some of uh, robin williams's bits as well definitely at a meeting after the show sheldon thanks everyone for taking a moment to sit down with him uh and talk about this sort of coordination he introduces burke his new agent to nora and frank And Frank tries to appeal to Burke, like, you know, we always used to come to an agreement. Uh, But this time, Burke, of course, holds all the gunpowder, so to speak, as he is the one who owns all the rights to Smoochie. Or Sheldon is the one who owns all the rights to Smoochie. But as far as Burke is concerned, Burke owns Sheldon. Right. And I kind of wondered about that scene because Mm -hmm. I thought... I thought somebody like Sheldon would have had to sign contracts, like kind of giving away your identity, but I guess he didn't. I guess he does own, (laughs) really does own the rights. Yeah, I thought that that was a little odd too. I guess maybe in the haste to replace Rainbow, they maybe forewent some of the more particular uh, legalese, although most of the productions I've worked on have been very strict about (laughs) making sure that NDAs and any rights agreements are signed before work even begins. So that was a little bit unusual. But it's going to be a good bargaining chip here for Sheldon. So I guess it works out in his favor in the end. Yeah, we needed that to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm I'm kind of glad they skipped over it because rights negotiations and paperwork might not have made for the most interesting opening to the movie. (laughs) 
And now we will perform legalese for you. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and sign here, here, and here. Uh, no. But Nora's like, you know, we're the one who found him. But Burke says it doesn't matter what his last job was or where you got him from. Because you need, you need Smoochie for this job now. And that's why the rhino is getting what he deserves. Executive producing credit. <laughs> Smoochie and Burke are sitting having dinner, having successfully gotten all of Sheldon's desires, uh, new benefits, creative control, veto power over products, executive producing credit, the corporate penthouse, ooh, shiny Mm. chrome, new. Uh, (laughs) And Burke even offers Sheldon a little present, uh, handing him a parcel under the table, and as Sheldon unwraps it, he reveals a gun. (gasps) Gasp. Sheldon doesn't want it. He doesn't believe in guns, but Burke is like, keep it. It's very handy in (laughs) this business. Burke is like, really? (laughs) As though this is like a thing that happens in children's programming. It's like everyone has a gun. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Everyone who has been involved in children's programming in this movie is just so accepting of how cutthroat it is and just takes it as like a fact of the industry, (laughs) which makes Sheldon's like unfamiliarity with it that much funnier. (laughs) Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. As they sort of settle this conversation, Burke's, Burke points to a rather talkative man in a, a track jacket at a, a nearby table and tells Sheldon not to engage or they'll get stuck talking to him all night. But Sheldon recognizes him. It's Spinner Dunn, the former <laughs> boxer. Sheldon assumes he must have some smarts to run a restaurant like this. Uh, but Burke explains, like, no, no, you know, he Tommy Cutter is the real heavy hitter of this restaurant. Her and her Irish mob boys run the joint. So we're introduced <laughs> to the Irish mob of this movie, a key player in any film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, always. Oh, yeah. I can name 10 other movies. With the- I know I can't. <laughs> I can name this one only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Spinner is uh, eventually does make his way over to their table, though, and he's so excited to see Smoochie. He runs up and lifts him straight out of his chair into a big old hug. He's a huge fan of the show and offers to do the Ziggy Ziggy dance, one of the performing numbers that Smoochie is known for, <laughs> which he rushes off and begins to do, catching the attention of his cousin, Tommy, who calls him over to meet a senator who is also eating at this restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, it's big time. It's big time. Oh, yeah. And Spinner is one of my favorite characters because he's so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I mean, he's took some. He's a boxer, so he took some mm-hmm. hits, and you know, that's fine. <laughs> but he's <Yeah>. so sweet. <laughs> Such a big fan. Always really bubbly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the quirky characters in this film. They're very diverse. Yes, and we'll see a little glimpse of here. Tommy Cutter is another character I really enjoyed in this movie, and she's yes, like I love her. an over-the-top over kind of classic mob boss intimidation, but with that uh, Irish church lady accent that I just... <laughs> what a wonderful combo. I the, yes. the movie that has never been made that I desperately want to be seen be made is like the little old lady mafia, like all of the Nonas, <laughs> all the Irish grandmothers get together and they just run their neighborhoods because they already do. We all know it's happening. Just make a all movie right, about I'm it. I'm gonna write the script and you give it to you and then do whatever you want with it. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I cannot wait. There's gonna be so many old women. <laughs> this is it's how we what get. everyone wants. All of the old women in Hollywood who have been looking for roles, we've got them for you. Hit us up. <laughs> we can make this happen. Think of like the Golden Girls, oh, but the Godfather. Yes, yes exactly. That's exactly That's what I want. <laughs> That's what's happening. 
Fantastic. Uh, but Sheldon is also quite taken with Spinner. He's like, oh, Spinner's super sweet. I'm glad I made a friend tonight. But as this wonderful little scene concludes, Frank is off having a meeting with a shadowy figure who is displeased with his lack of cash flow. The rhino's a little too green, see? He's not in on all of the ins and outs of the industry. Which is a problem for Frank, because unless the rhino learns how to play ball soon, he's going to have financial problems. Meanwhile, in his kitchen, another exciting event, a different setting, presumably on the same night, Angelo is cooking when Rainbow comes to visit. He seems friendly through the door, but as soon as the door is open, he tackles Angelo, calling him a traitor. My body was barely cold and you went to work for the rhino. (laughs) (laughs) Say you're a crinkle kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he demands that Angelo say he's a crinkle kid, but Angelo doesn't relent because he's a rhinette now. You know, a job's a job. He's got to pay the bills. Rainbow asks if he can stay with Angelo because he's got nowhere else to go and over some pasta laments about the lost corporate penthouse, how he has liens and bills and the whole world is just up his fucking ass. It's all terrible for Rainbow, but don't worry, he has a long memory. Uh, Angelo tries to... (laughs) Angelo tries to convince him not to piss his life away, but Rainbow is convinced that Smoochie was sent from hell to destroy him. And that rhino is the face of evil. <laughs> and Angelo's just watching this like, good mm-hmm. God, what yep. has happened to you? <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> at a newsstand the next morning, Sheldon reads up on the shakeup at the Smoochie show he's hit the headlines he's an ep now entering the office everyone treats him much better offering to get him coffee Mm -hmm. and saying hello and he eventually goes into nora's office and he tries to you know make good he's like i get it the power structure has changed but i i still want your input we're partners nora though doesn't quite feel the same she's like we're not partners yet uh and although he wants them to be planting the seeds of a real collaboration nora suggests that he plant this and gives him the finger instead (laughs) This is when we first see Sheldon get to be, like, actually kind of angry for the first time as she starts to yell at him to get out. Uh, and he kind of refuses, yelling back a bit and dropping some of the niceness that he's had. Not quite getting, you know, punching below the belt or anything, but clearly frustrated with the situation. Yeah, and, and definitely wanting to stand up for himself, even yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we get the sense that he's not just a a soft pushover. There's something more to this rhino. Uh, He goes over to his office where a patch of wheatgrass from Burke is waiting, I guess, in lieu of flowers. (laughs) Gee, how nice. (laughs) As well as the Irish mob led by Cousin Cutter, who emerged from the shadows. (laughs) I I have to wonder when they would have gotten into the building in the morning in order to be waiting there before he clocked in. I have no idea. (laughs) And it could be like... I feel like in this uh, world, the Irish mob mm-hmm. kind of has a, a reputation in kind of this right. small space we're given. So I wonder if they're just like, let us in or we're <laughs> going to like chop you up with a hammer or something. Like they know how to yeah. get what they want. So I wonder if they, <laughs> how long were they there waiting? Just like, okay, guys, all night. And, now and then we we'll sit, surprise him. We have to keep moving to make sure that we're always positioned in the shadows. There's a lot of windows in this office. And we can't close <laughs> yeah. them because then he'll know what's up when he walks in. So we got to just move with the sun. <laughs> They're always like coming out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. Tommy, and Tommy and the guys are always like emerging. <laughs> That's how you make an entrance. You emerge. Exactly. Tommy says that her cousin Spinner likes him a lot. And she was wondering if Smoochie could give her a, him a little floor space, you know, a part on the show. Sheldon tries to say he doesn't think Spinner would do well on TV, just like he wouldn't do well in the ring, but Cutter isn't really 
buying into this and does a whole, oh, how this makes me sad routine, which causes the, <laughs> her mob goons to circle up around Sheldon, now intimidated, and he says he may actually have a part for Spinner since he's considering it. Uh, having gotten what she wanted, Cutter and her boys leave, and as they do, Sheldon gets a call from Rainbow, who threatens him with all of the panache that Robin Williams has, which, as mentioned before, is quite a lot. <laughs> it's a bad day for Sheldon. Just yeah. like... <laughs> Although I will say, in in a in a kind of a a lighter mood, um, Tommy does say, "Hey, you did give him a role. We're got, mm-hmm. we got you. You're back forever now. So like yeah. we are allies." now so like it's a weird way to get allyship to be like threatened Mm -hmm. but at least he has somebody like really of high power on his side yeah he's not quite as alone in it anymore uh first spinner and now spinner's cousin and her boys have come to his aid so to speak after he gets off the phone with the just mysterious figure aka rainbow calling to (laughs) tell him that he's coming for him nora immediately enters (laughs) and congratulates him on selling out so the bad day Mm -hmm. just gets worse Sheldon seems confused by what she's saying, uh, but she throws the newspaper down on the desk and tells him that he's a phony like all the rest. Looking at with a headline as she exits, Smoochie sees that Smoochie on ice is hitting the ice. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Sheldon meets with Burke, annoyed that the ice show is happening. It's against everything he stands for. And Burke is like, look, man, no one's ever refused an ice show. Of course, Smoochie's determined to be the first to ever do that. And what will Burke do? How will he reconcile Smoochie not wanting to do the corporate sellout of the ice show? Uh, Which I didn't realize was quite a... (laughs) I don't know if it's actually that big of a moneymaker in children's television, I guess. That's a great question. But uh, now that you bring that up, I kind of do remember... Like in the Barney days, they Mm. would have not ice shows, but they would have lives. So it'd be like, see Barney live. And I I think I remember it being a big deal, but that might just be the kid in me thinking (laughs) it's a big deal. Yeah, I'm not sure. It it seems like you could do other things than an ice show to like Mm -hmm. make profit, but... (laughs) But we need we need our big event for this movie, so the ice show is going <laughs> to fill that in here, regardless of whether or not those are huge draws out here in non-moviedom. <laughs> On the Smoochie show, Spinner is doing his new part, playing the cowbell, throwing off the rhythm of all the songs <laughs> and dancing as he just hits it kind of whenever feels appropriate to him, uh, irrespective of the beat, worrying even Angelo and Smoochie somewhat as they try to recover Nora watching disapprovingly from her producer's chair. Spinner, (laughs) after the show, busts into the green room asking if he did a good job. And after getting the approval that he seeks from Sheldon, running off to get drunk as he helpfully informs us (laughs) of his plan of action. (laughs) I'm going to go get drunk now. Look off, Spinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What a a sweet summer child you are. Oh, wonderful, wonderful Spinner. Nora then enters and asks Sheldon about the choice to cast a mental patient, which, of course, Sheldon tries to refute. Oh, man, 2002. Uh (laughs) But I like that it wasn't used. Like, Sheldon did not find that funny at all. And I appreciate that a little more. And you're right. In the early 2000s, just calling people mental was kind of really normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I really appreciated when Sheldon's like, don't don't call him that. Like, don't do that. Yeah, it's it's a line that's not played for a joke. It's it played yeah. so that you know Sheldon can refute it, which is an important yeah. distinction from it just being a line that was meant to be joking. Because there's some quite some foul language that is jokes in this movie, and this is not one of them. 
Yeah, correct, correct. Uh, Nora is wise to the pressure that Sheldon's under from Cousin Cuddy, though. Uh, and, you know, Sheldon tries to calm her down by like, look, at least he's got a sense of humor, which is more than can be said for you. <laughs> she also gets an eyeful of Sheldon without a shirt, which was very funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's have a moment let's, here. Yes. <laughs> look. Okay, how do I put this delicately? Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that because I thought it was such an average shot. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I would never, I have BDD. I would never body shame anyone. But right. a guy, a pretty thin guy in some trousers with some fuzzy pants. I don't get <laughs> But Nora was like, oh, yeah, that is my type. I'm just like, yes. what? Is this supposed to be sexy? I don't know. <laughs> It was it was very jarring watching it the first time, just because, like you it mentioned, it's, I'm not sure if this is the pinnacle of, like, sexuality in cinema that you expect. <laughs> but we lear- some facts we learn about Nora later on kind of make it make a little bit more sense, as maybe yes, this it, is her type. Believe it or not, <laughs> it will. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll cover that a little bit more when we get there. But yeah, it's a very uh, out of context, almost jarring shot for a moment there. <laughs> Outside on the street, Sheldon goes to grab a cab to go home when a limo and a very shady man pull up and tell him to get in, showing the gun they're packing to force him to go along with the ride rather than taking his own ride home. In the limo, the man introduces himself as Merv Green, representative of the Parade of Hope Foundation, remember that shady organization, Yep. who claimed to raise money to build children's hospitals, although (laughs) one of his lines of dialogue is something along the lines of like, yeah, we paid for a brick or two. Which I'm tra- I'm choosing to interpret as they've actually paid for like a handful of bricks and not that much of the cost of the <laughs> just construction. Just some bricks and a wheelbarrow of like yeah. cement. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is played by uh, the amazing uh, Harvey Firestein. Yes. So he's got that intimidation. Fed just with mm-hmm. his voice alone has that intimidation factor. Oh yeah, because we don't you know we don't see his face for a very long time in this movie, and he's still one of the most frightening people up until then he asks sheldon if he's pulling out of the ice show um and sheldon's like no i'm not pulling out i never agreed to do it in the first place and marv sort of explains and i'm gonna put explains in big old air quotes because it's uh (laughs) threatens uh that the foundation has sponsored every ice show kidnap has ever done and that they skim from the top it's a huge source of profits for them so sheldon you know shouldn't buck history and skip the show see I feel like every he didn't say C at the end of every line, but I feel like he did. That's the vibe. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have a face for radio, C. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like an old-timey villain. <laughs> Sheldon, though, remains steadfast. He refuses to do the ice show, and uh, Merv threatens that starting tomorrow, Smoochie better start raising his baton for Parade of, Parade of Hope, including doing the ice show, and sort of like leaves at that, kicking Sheldon out of the limo. Sheldon calls Burke and says that he wants to go to the authorities about Parade of Hope, that he just had his life threatened by an organization that's supposed to be helping children. But Burke's like, hey, buddy, slow down. Maybe we should just consider the ice show and stay healthy. Do you really think that they don't got their fingers in the in the police's pot or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And as quote, this- <laughs> they're the most like brutal of the charities. That's the actual <laughs> quote. Like they're the most crazy of the charities. I love that this movie imagines a world where like the instead of crime families you just have a bunch of different charities that are like at war with each other that's the universe <laughs> who can they make posit. the most money come on guys <laughs> instead of the five families you know you have the five charities you got like yeah like the wish parade of hope I don't, this, is, this is not true to real life but you know. 
Uh, as he concludes this conversation, though, Sheldon's got a knock at the door, as is quite common in this movie for one conversation to end and another to immediately begin. And Nora arrives. Uh, she says that she was a little harsh the other day and also that she is very drunk and has come to apologize. Uh, she explains, I know you're not doing the ice show. I've just been hardened by years in the biz and it's hard to know who's on the level. Uh, and as they <laughs> sort of have this like, okay, we're, we're okay with each other now moment, they bond a little bit, uh, talking about a, a hippo they used to watch on TV, Ricketts the Hippo, the pre- precursor to- <laughs> <laughs> Best name ever. <laughs> Great name for a hippo. Uh, a children's performer that they are both inspired by and the reason that both of them are working in children's entertainment now. They do the clunky wonky a dance uh, and as they had to share this dance. moment <laughs> as Sorry, much of a little dance. shade towards the dance. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. It's, it's fair. It's fair. No, I, you know, I wouldn't accuse children's TV of having the most exceptional dance. <laughs> And as they share this moment, Sheldon goes in for a kiss, but Nora dips out like, "Mm, I gotta go, uh, and takes her leave. As he tries to stop her from leaving, you know, appeal to her to stick around, he gets a call. He's got to be pulled into another conversation. Remember, that's how the structure of this movie works. This time (laughs) from from a Scottish-accented rainbow. He he introduces himself (laughs) as Benjamin McNucklepeck from Parents for Decency and Children's Television. Uh, and Sheldon doesn't seem to catch on to the fact that this is, in fact, Rainbow and fully buys into the Benjamin McNucklepack character. <laughs> he says that they're having a banquet and want, uh, <laughs> want Smoochie to perform as well as to come and receive a plaque, all sorts of accolades. Uh, and, of course, Smoochie agrees. Why wouldn't he want to go perform yeah, for children? without even looking it up. He's just so trusting. <laughs> even after all this, like, yeah, it's just so very trusting. He hasn't quite figured out just how jaded he he got to be in this industry. He's still holding on to his roots here. Yeah. Later on, another day in Rainbow in disguise, picks up Sheldon and makes a strange car conversation (laughs) as they drive to the event, uh, including trying to get Sheldon to trash Rainbow by trashing himself himself. Uh, And, you know, Sheldon's like, I think that Rainbow clearly had some issues with anger and alcohol, but, you know, he was he was pretty talented, not willing to stoop uh, to the levels that Rainbow wants him to. Uh, but somehow this begins to uh, enrage Rainbow because he's not getting the result that he wants. And in trashing himself, he starts to make Sheldon question a little bit of like, who did you say you were? Yeah, and I think that was a I think that's a really important scene uh, mm-hmm. because it shows that for Sheldon, he's like, oh, I would never I would never take pleasure in someone else's misfortune. And I yeah. feel like Rainbow knew that was right. Like, that's a mm-hmm. good, genuine amazing response and you also see rainbow kind of projecting a lot and he'll make like a quip like i bet he's he's gay too Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting all of these things this anger he like has on himself he's still willing to put that you know Mm -hmm. on smoochie and say i have nothing to learn from myself i have nowhere to grow I just want to put my anger on and Smoochie, but then he meets him and he's just the most like nice, <laughs> helpful person. And it's it's yeah. an interesting scene. That <laughs> that accent though, it is like <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire off the rails. It's oh, wild. Yes. It's insane. <laughs> oh. 
I love Robin Williams doing an accent, so I'm glad they gave him an opportunity to whip that out, at least for a little bit in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they could have just stuck him in a fake mustache and called it a day, but they're like, all right, Robin, we see you. Yeah. It's that, like, very ambiguous, it's probably not Scottish, but that's (laughs) the vibe. It's just very ambiguous. Yes, exactly. Uh, But before Sheldon can kind of put all the pieces together, uh, they arrive to a tractor parts warehouse where Rainbow, still in his disguise, shuffles Smoochie to go play for the wee ones uh, onto a stage that is (laughs) so brightly lit that he can't see the audience. Hmm. He jumps into the Friends song, but he's not really getting any sing-along, so he asks for the spotlight to be killed and the house lights to go up so that he can see his friends, only to reveal that he has not been singing to children as he believed, but to a room full of Nazis. Yeah, big oof. And that, there's a scene that goes on that I think is so good. He's like staring out at the, photographs are being taken and Mm -hmm. that in his mind, he knows those are going to surface. And then the large Nazi flag just slow-mo falling, just like crashing Mm -hmm. to the ground. And I, <laughs> I could not believe this movie went there. Yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> they just had him get framed at a Nazi rally. That's uh, that's crazy. And yet somehow it still works. I don't know why it works, uh, but it's yeah. it's it matches, I guess, the rest of the the bonkers mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. Although this, <laughs> I was like, oh god, <laughs> they went there. Yeah, this is. I mean, I think this is probably the most some somehow this is the most bonkers thing that happened in the movie uh but the the movie is just so extreme in how far it's pushing uh both its obscenity and also that it is about a kids tv programming uh <laughs> that i still kind of believe like yeah okay this is happening it's crazy to me but it's happening uh and yeah. the sequence like you mentioned where he's you know trying to convince himself like oh my god is this a terrible dream it's not yeah uh, is so well constructed and shot and the way that the music cuts out and he's sort of just left with him in his mind and uh it's it's really sells that he is aware of the gravity of his situation it's not just us who are like oh god nazis it's yeah the whole like this uh, insane out of body experience Mm -hmm. and just realizing in two seconds that your career is about to crash and you as a person yes it's about to crash <laughs> if you thought rainbow's fall from grace was bad wait for this one uh which of course <laughs> rainbow is very excited about oh yeah sheldon kind of sits in a cop car at the end of the sequence replaying the echoes of an interrogation of his mind and news headlines flash by smoochie arrested smoochie and you know performs for nazis etc etc uh he's fingerprinted his show is dismantled the rhino is now extinct his slot is going to be filled with cartoon reruns for the time being uh, Rainbow, of course, is thrilled by this news and dances through the park. <laughs> Absolutely thrilled. Uh, <laughs> at one point, I think he turns to a baby and says that, like, the, the rhino's a Nazi or something like that. Yeah, the baby's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> and as he dances his way down the streets of New York, we kind of pan through over to uh, <laughs> Sheldon, who's now dressed much shabbier uh, and catches up with Nora as she leaves the studio she believes that he is in fact a Nazi and he's like, no, no, I was set up. I need your help. But she just doesn't believe him. She doesn't know him well enough to go out on that emotional limb. So Sheldon is left now down on his luck 
uh, <laughs> sitting in the subway station eating a bagel, seeing a funding it's a burger, shortage. Actually, it's a burger. Oh, my. it's a bur- oh, it's a so full on sense. burger. Just to show like the severity of his mm-hmm. mood, he went from like vegan hot dogs to burger. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> yeah. <Again. laughs> He uh, returns to the old clinic where he used to perform, but a funding shortage has shut it down. And outside, uh, an old man tells him that he wishes he had the clout to set things straight in this town. uh, As we really saw that Sheldon, now powerless, is also left just unable to change how corrupt this town is. And by extension, the world of, again, children's TV programming. Later that night, Nora's watching the hippo show uh, alluded to earlier when Rainbow shows up at her apartment. He offers her flowers and then says that he knows she and Frank are in a bind and he, you know, graciously volunteers to come back to his old spot. Nora isn't having any of Rainbow's nonsense and tries to throw him out and he appeals to their old relationship. It seems they used to be a bit of a thing as well. He tries to redeem himself and in doing so lets slip that he was in a car with Sheldon, which Nora catches on and realizes that it was Rainbow who set Sheldon up. Rainbow promptly gets punched and kicked out (laughs) of the apartment as Nora's on to the scheme. Meanwhile, Spinner is crying to his cousin about Smoochie when Nora shows up at the restaurant asking after Burke. Uh, shortly later, Cutter bursts, busts in on Rainbow asking about the rhino and the Irish mob, after throwing him about for a comically long sequence of beating him up, gets him to admit that it was in fact all him who set up Smoochie. That, yeah, that scene was brutal. Oh yeah. my god, it was so Oof. violent. <laughs> <laughs> it's so violent, and the whole time Rainbow is like, you guys aren't actually going to be violent, and they always immediately respond by like throwing him into a piano or something. It's uh, crazy. <laughs> Wasn't that Angelo's ha- like apartment? <laughs> yes, yeah, Rainbow's still staying with Angelo oh, no. at this point. <laughs> Poor, poor this Angelo, poor who truly like, has done nothing wrong in this movie, <laughs> constantly has his apartment broken into or smashed or what have you. Uh, uh, but with this reveal, there are new headlines. Rainbow frames Smoochie, and Smoochie's reputation is redeemed as Rainbow is uh, arrested and accosted by reporters. As he's walked to his car from <laughs> Angelo's apartment, he continues to trash Sheldon and Nora to the very end. Uh, even as he is the most hated person in all of America, someone throws an egg at him, and finally he makes it into the car. <laughs> Meanwhile, outside I love of all Kid those Net- quotes that come out <laughs> yes. of him when he oh, yeah. like, my name isn't Wandoff, it's Randolph. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, just trying to haphazardly talk to the reporters. It's yeah. it's both sad and adorable at the same time. Just like I mean, mm-hmm. Williams is great at doing that, but yeah, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's every, like, celebrity breakdown in real time, but, you know, because it's played with a comedic tone, (laughs) Robin really sells it. Outside of Kidnet, the crowds cheer for Smoochie. In the green room, Nora apologizes to Sheldon for not believing in him, and he gets back on stage, Smoochie rising once more to his cheering audience, this time decked out in American flags (laughs) as the tops all cheer. (laughs) I guess, you know, you want to really make sure the image is clear this time around. The show continues, and later they cut to a segment where they're sitting around the staged campfire with the lighting much more ominous than it typically is, as Smoochie tells the kids about how it's hard sometimes not to feel bitter and mad, and when he gets mad, he howls and asks the kids to all howl with him and to get that frustration out. 
They all do, but Smoochie's final howl is a little too real <laughs> as everyone takes yeah, a moment of like silence after it Yeah, and the lighting is just kind of spooky enough to unsettle us a bit as it also unsettles and, and Angelo, Nora, and Spinner. But after that moment, that beat of awkwardness, he transitions into the uh, <laughs> Ziggy Ziggy and the mood is back to the kid show vibe. He's back in action, baby. Rainbow is watching the news announce the return of Smoochie and how he's more popular than ever and takes to smashing the TV, which is Angelo's TV. Angelo's TV, (laughs) again, yeah. And Angelo comes home to find him absolutely destroying his picture-in-picture and throws him out uh, for abusing (laughs) the help that he offered. (laughs) Meanwhile, Sheldon goes to the restaurant and sees Spinner, who has been practicing his cowbell in advance of the show, uh, and meets with Burke, agreeing to do the ice show after all, but he's not just going to do the show as they normally do. He's doing it all himself. No sponsors, crooks, nothing. It's going to be a squeaky clean performance. Yeah, with clean food, clean everything. <laughs> you can't even mm-hmm. get salt. Which... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a choice, but okay. Mhm. Yeah, he's doing it uh he's doing it Sheldon's way. Before he could only convince the deli to throw two soy dogs on for him. Now he's going <laughs> to let all the kids live the life that he would have them live. Uh, and he's also going to give half of all the profits to go rebuild the Coney Island Drug Clinic, and the other half are going to go to fund drug education programs uh, for kids. Burke tries to talk him out of cutting out the Parade of Hope, but Sheldon is, you know, he's back on top, he's high on power, and he's going to use it. Uh, as he leaves, Tommy asks him to get Spinner to stop banging that cowbell all day and <laughs> perhaps give him something else to do on the show that's a bit quieter, which was a very real appeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was like moment. please <laughs> she's like look i know i pressured you into giving him a role in the show and i'm so th- thrilled that he's happy but maybe could you give him something that's just a little bit quieter <laughs> like whose idea was it to give him a cowbell <laughs> right uh, i guess we needed more cowbell back then um, <laughs> we needed more cowbell there was a prescription <laughs> that needed to be filled and spinner mm-hmm. filled it He did. Oh, how he's filled it. Rainbow, there's a little shot of him walking down the street where he comes across a man raising money for rhino conservation and he's shouting the phrase, (laughs) save the rhino over and over. And he just goes ballistic and attacks him. And we know at this point in the movie that that Rainbow's a lot unhinged, but I love that this this moment is included because it's just so funny and it really helps sell it (laughs) that he is so far gone at this point. In much shadier business, however, Frank and Burke meet up. Uh, Frank asking Burke to help him get back in on the action uh, and to help him get rid of the rhino. They decide to meet with Merv, Burke and Merv calling a meeting to talk about said rhino, uh, who seems to think he's going to clean up the way they do business. Merv tells his boys they've got a serious problem and that maybe strongly implies they should go solve it in perhaps deadly ways. Rainbow continues his protest of Smoochie out in front of the studio. He douses himself in gasoline, uh, and pulls off out a match, giving an incredibly dramatic speech about how he always wanted to be an entertainer for the children, and then the rhino came in and ruined everything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's about to light himself on fire uh, until a small child runs up 
and asks Rainbow not to do it and blows out the match. And there's a real moment of human connection there as he realizes he's not all gone. The kids still care about him. Uh, But after that moment passes, Smoochie exits the studio, drawing the attention of the crowd immediately away as every single person, child included, run across the street to greet their hero. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's like like too enraged to even go forward with his plan. Like that's how like angry... Mm -hmm. He is. <laughs> yeah, he watches the little girl who just saved his life uh, get a smoochy hat given to her and, like, an autograph from Sheldon. And he just starts screaming, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rainbow. Oh, Rainbow. During the smoochy show, singing the song, My Stepdad's Not Mean, He's Just Adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> Best song in the whole so movie. Good. Maybe ever. Like, if you don't like this movie, I understand, because it's it's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it's not going to, like, ring for everyone. But I think we can all agree, that song is amazing and <laughs> funny and, like, irreverent. I love that song. There is a reason that this is the song that we get almost the entirety of. Because there's, there's a number of songs in the movie that we catch a line or two of, but we hear almost yeah. the entirety of My Stepdad's Not Mean, He's Just Adjusting, and it's on purpose, yeah. because it is fantastic. That's true. You know, I, I'm not sure I noticed that, but the other songs will catch, like, here's a line, here's a silly line. But man, mm-hmm. they put in the whole song. <laughs> yep. And, and as, as, as I watched fondly as this song played out, so too does Nora watching the shoot uh, go by as Smoochie finishes up and introduces a surprise visitor to Jungle Land. He's like, hey guys, new character <laughs> alert. It's my cousin, Moochie. It's Mochi. Spinner, now also in a rhino costume. <laughs> <laughs> this rhino it's costume so is more of like a burgundy <laughs> it's very yeah cute. burgundy yeah. Uh, compared to the like kind of uh, fuchsia-y smoochy costume Spinner doesn't do great in front of the camera freezing up and eventually telling Sheldon that the costume is making his nuts itch but it seems to have <laughs> gone over okay even so as <laughs> after the show Spinner comes up to Sheldon excited uh, for the ice show and it- excited to hear all the crowds cheering he tells sheldon very sappily that he loves him and i'm like oh god i'm too genre savvy this can't be good. yeah it's not <laughs> as spinner leaves the green room nora walks in uh she's excited that sheldon is using his fame for good and he's like well you know you're the one who inspired me uh, they have a moment, they kiss, we all knew where this was going, uh, mm-hmm. and Nora kind of has to check in. She's like, you're for real, right? Like, I thought this was all an act. And they go behind a, a big red screen and in silhouette get undressed, and we all know where this was going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and as they hook up, Spinner is walking backstage in the rhino costume in lighting that is eerily similar to the opening of this movie, and that's where the six-month timeline all starts to connect. Uh, as he yeah. makes his way, skipping happily and singing, he is jumped by two goons, as we saw in the opening. Uh, and though he tries to fight back, he is uh, shot and killed, taken to an alley to be left out in the rain, only to be found the next morning. Uh, the wrong rhino was got. <laughs> that shocked me when I first... Mm-hmm. Like, I knew there had to be... We're coming up to, like kind of the climax well that i don't know if maybe if that was the climax of the movie but i feel like we needed something to push it further mm-hmm. along but i was shocked i was shocked <laughs> that that's the character that they chose uh chose to end um 
but also mm-hmm. I, I like that scene in its artistic way uh they've oh, got yeah. sheldon and nora like making love in front of the red the bright red screen and then they have moochie skipping along the bright red wall like two mm-hmm. different reds we have passion and then we have like murder <laughs> and violence it's such an interesting like dichotomy there in that part yeah, and it's a, a very cha- different change. The The way this movie is shot, it's kind of got two lighting schemes. There's the like on-camera kid show, bright, highly saturated rainbow color scheme. And then there's the dark and gritty underbelly that's always just sort of right. highly, highly, highly contrasted shadow, lots of specific areas of light. And red always seems to show up in those scenes, uh, but never in a greater quantity than it does here in this montage uh, where we get the cross-cutting right. between the two that you mentioned. So it's a very, it's a very intentional choice uh, and I, I, it's very gorgeous is, feels like the wrong word because it's when a man in a rhino costume gets brutally murdered but it's a very aesthetically pleasing shot it is it is and it's very artistically thought mm-hmm. out for sure uh the next day though only the chalk outline of the hippo costume marks where <laughs> spinner once was uh. as the news announces his death merv is I, uh, <laughs> real quick <laughs> yes. i think that is how you do dark comedy. Yes. Is your your that that if I had to like put a label on it, right? Some really good mm-hmm. like dark comedy joke. It's having the rhino outline <laughs> for the death. Like yes. chef's kiss. It's it's not it's sab it's not it's not really offending. It's just mm-hmm. like <laughs> gives you like it gives your brain a little chuckle, I think. Yeah, it's a nice little uh not quite break because we're still going to stay pretty serious for a couple minutes here before we kind of, you know, exit this part of the movie. But it's a nice little like, hey, we're still watching a comedy overall. Right. The situation is sad, but there's still some absurdism going on. And it's uh, such a funny shot, too. The thought of someone <laughs> having to draw the rhino outline. <laughs> uh. Join the forensics team, they said. You know, like, Look, I got that job. Yep. Uh, CSI uh, smoochie. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Merv is furious with his goons for getting the wrong rhino. How could they have done that? One is an entirely different color than the other. Uh, but they, <laughs> you know, they try to talk it off. And we go to the funeral for Spinner where Sheldon is mourning his friend. Cutter and her goons seem sure that it was a hit by Rainbow. And they vow to find and end him and remind Sheldon that this hit was meant for him. So that every from now on, everywhere he goes, the Irish mob also goes, which is kind of nice that he's got these like yeah. powerful allies that are really paying dividends. You know, he he may have been pressured into giving Spinner the spot, but they were actual friends, and it's and he yeah. he got in good. It's it's yeah. nice to see that his like attitude kind of paid off a little bit. It's weirdly sentimental. Yeah, <laughs> as, sem- as sentimental as you can be about the mob, that's what mm-hmm. that is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, later on, Angelo watches as the police go through his apartment and they go through all of Rainbow's old, like, disturbed doodles of rhino murder on the back of, like, newspapers and things, uh, asking, you know, how long did he stay here? They're practicing for the ice show when Tommy and her boys show up as their investigation has turned up a different suspect than Rainbow after all. They reveal that they're pretty sure Merv is the one who ordered the hit. Sheldon's like, okay, well, now that we know, we can take Merv through the criminal justice system. And Tommy informs him that actually that's already been taken care of. Uh, as Tommy and her boys have decapitated Merv. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, that what another beautifully 
artistic shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many things we can say that about, like a beheading. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how many I can say. Yeah, that's beautiful. But um, the way it was done was they they would show Tommy on this kind of this green kind of background, and mm-hmm. she would walk into the the next scene. So it's a very smooth transition. And I, <laughs> my little easy to amuse brain when I was young was like ah. It's so pretty. It's such a satisfying. I'm very I, easy to amuse. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful shot. I love when there's like a, the limitation of cuts, or you, it feels like you almost don't see the cut because that's when it, that's when the movie yeah. gets to that flow state, and you get to just enjoy the ride. Uh, and this is a great way of you know communicating that information without having to show the the hit interrogation happen, show the hit happen, show them reporting yeah. in. It's like okay, we can accomplish this all much quicker and much more artistically by doing this type of shot. Uh, at the club, Burke and Frank are getting nervous. Uh, 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 as, as of yet, unforeseen club, there's a lot of people in uh, costumes dancing around. Uh, or at least Frank is getting nervous as they're starting to get in bed with Buggy, another former children's performer <laughs> and turned sm- smack addict. <laughs> Buggy Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, love Buggy. the exaggerated like children's names. Mm-hmm. I love that they also still call him Buggy because presumably he has a human name, but you know, in this industry, all that matters is the persona <laughs> you go by. I hope his real name is just Buggy Ding Dong. <laughs> That's the best. We've got outcome. Sheldon Mopes. That's true. That's true. Sheldon Mopes is all, a, a half step away from Buggy Ding Dong. <laughs> oh. uh, Frank and Burke assure him that if he takes care of the job tonight, he can have uh, the rhinos spot Uh oh it looks like the threats for sheldon's life are not quite over yet rainbow sitting alone down on his luck in some warehouse somewhere is visited by angelo who drops off some supplies and tells him you know like hey buddy are you sure you still want to be doing all this vengeance thing uh and it (laughs) seems like perhaps rainbow is moving on it seems like the uh, little girl who saved him really touched him and maybe he's ready to let go of the rhino hate which Angelo is just thrilled with, and he gives him a little magazine to read while he makes dinner. But as he's flipping through, Rainbow sees Nora and Sheldon together at the funeral in one of the articles, and his hatred is immediately reignited in full force as how dare he get with his girl. His girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just looking for excuses at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's got hatred with no purpose to it, because at this point he knows you know, what kind of person Sheldon is. And yeah. he, it's not really his fault. And he sort of started to come to terms with it, but he hasn't just quite let go yet. At the studio, Buggy sneaks up on Nora back in her office, telling her he's got business with Dokes, Frank, who's putting him back on the air on the rhino's place. Uh, Nora gets suspicious and just kind of has to do her best to get this guy to leave her alone. And eventually when he leaves, she tells Sheldon all about how Stokes can't be trusted and Buggy is out to get him. And as Sheldon sort of wrestles with the implications of that, uh, Rainbow busts into the penthouse apartment, <laughs> gun in hand, <laughs> continuing it's his like trend of just sort of the acting appearing. scene of a lifetime. Uh, so this good. is this is my favorite Robin Williams role just ever. This is my favorite. <laughs> this is a sl- this is one that I think having now watched this movie does not get nearly enough love when we talk about Robin Williams roles because he is giving it his all and it is absolutely paying it off. Um, yeah, I have never seen someone so completely unhinged in a role. <laughs> yes, you know, like he really pushes it. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> unhinged and yet somehow still really likable. 
Yeah, he in a way likeable. that like really only Robin Williams I think could pull off. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to think if there's anyone else who's played that sort of like unhinged character and been um, likable, and like maybe Heath Ledger's Joker is kind of the only other example I could come to. But he's not a comedic character yeah. in the way that Rainbow is, so it's doubly we impressive. Ca- I, I've here. had this. That's funny you bring that up. I've actually had this exact kind of theory <laughs> with my friends. We've somebody tried to convince me on like Jim Carrey, hmm. but I, it wasn't quite there. Uh, because yeah. even though Jim can play eccentric roles and he can play serious roles, Robin Williams has a warmth about yeah. him um, that I don't think a lot of other comedians possess. So he can be unhinged, but also like very warm and very earnest, mm-hmm. you know, with his feelings. So I always said this is the only uh, Robin Williams is the only person who could have played Rainbow Randolph. I'm very serious about that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. I, I completely agree. I, I can't think yeah. of another performer who has, like you mentioned, the warmth to pull this kind of a role off. Mm-hmm. Nora is not having any of Rainbow's nonsense and tells him to fuck off. But uh, as they sort of argue back and forth, Rainbow reveals that not only did he and Nora used to date, which was already news to Sheldon, but Nora used to date almost every children's performer that she's ever produced for which is a a disturbing trend to Sheldon uh, (laughs) as he learns that his girl used to be a kiddie show groupie although she assures him that that's not what they have now baby (laughs) Rainbow (laughs) who is still here through this whole emotional relationship moment continues to get frustrated uh, but the other two seem to just sort of not be disregarding him, but not taking him very seriously either, even though he's waving a gun around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, Sheldon tackles Rainbow, and the two of them struggle, Sheldon getting the gun from him. Sheldon's like, look, man, you're, you're a, little, a little off right now, but you used to make a lot of children very happy. <laughs> and, and Rainbow sort of has a turn here where he, he really yeah. breaks down. He's like, aw, yeah. Will you guys be my friends? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Will you be my friend? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I guess our duo is now a trio. <laughs> it was it happened quick, and like he was like dancing around with that gun and singing his little song, and mm-hmm. he's just like he's like coming to terms with how broken <laughs> of a man he is, and he yeah. had like no more to give. He just had no more to give, and just feel like you know what. These are my friends now. <laughs> yes, we're buddies. And our trio sits down at the table. They have a little strategy meeting about what to do about the whole buggy situation. Uh, Sheldon reloads Rainbow's gun. And uh, he and Nora head to the studio saying that Rainbow can stick around in the penthouse if he wants to hang out, which is, sure, <laughs> he'll enjoy <laughs> his own generous. lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Buggy visits Angelo, tying him up and stealing his backstage pass. And it's time for the ice show. All of our players are getting into place. Uh, this is where the salt-free uh, environment mm-hmm. of it all kicks in as Bucky goes to get a pretzel before performing his hit and <laughs> cannot get any salt on it because there is no salt at the venue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nora tries to talk Sheldon out of going out onto the ice, but he is just too dedicated. He has too many kids and or addicts counting on him, so he's got to go through <laughs> I love for this that performance. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of those lines where it's uh, it's being edgy and, and earnest. At the mm-hmm. same time, like, yes. yeah, I got a lot of kids and addicts, <laughs> and this is uh, meant to be a sweet line, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very true to his character, you know. It, it's true to him to care equally about both uh, groups of his audience. Um, 
Angelo calls Rainbow and tells him that Buggy got his backstage pass, uh, meaning, you know, Rainbow's in on the the bit. He's like, wait a minute. I got to get down to the ice show. I got to save the rhino. It's a total inverse of his goals for the rest of the movie. <laughs> He's made a friend and he will protect him. <laughs> yep. Smoochie takes to the ice. Uh, Burke and Frank sit down in the in the audience. Uh, so does Nora. All of our players are in place here at the ice rink. Smoochie starts off the show by sharing what he's been feeling. Uh, he's like, this is, <laughs> this part, this is a very personal just, story. <laughs> yes. Um, I, um, I'm just going to let you like draw out, like paint this picture because <laughs> I think this is where the movie gets so bizarre. I'm not even sure I like the ice show part, <laughs> but like, yeah, do continue. Paint, paint, paint us a picture yes. of this ice show. Yeah, so it starts with a Rhinette skating over to, to Smoochie and bringing him a cowbell to clang out once in Spinner's honor as the lights all fade and the show begins. A opera singer, dressed exactly as a Bugs Bunny-style cartoon opera singer would, takes to the ice, beginning her aria as the perfect dramatic music in the backdrop for the show. And this whole performance is cross-cut with Buggy getting into place in the rafters. Uh, it, we see an angel descend and put a crown on Smoochie, which I only realized about like 10 minutes into the ice show was meant to be Nora in the opening because this whole show is going to be in like oh. an, a metaphor for Smoochie's whole journey. <laughs> oh, good cut. I don't think I noticed that one. That's a good catch. You're right, though. I, it's all reflective of that. Yeah. And they cut away to Nora a few times to like show her looking fondly at the angel and Smoochie. And oh. I was like, why are they showing her now? And that's when it's right. starts to click. The angel and Smoochie just skate around as Buggy continues preparing to shoot. Um, Smoochie skating over to his desk, putting his skates up, reading the headline, Smoochie is success. And this is when I realized the whole show was about the movie, but in soft costume form. Yeah, Yeah, as an ice show. Like, imagine you're a kid and you went to see a Barney show and you want to hear all these songs. But the lead is like, yeah, I know you want to sing songs, but here's my biography instead. And there's murder in it. <laughs> Here is a dramatization of my life on ice. Uh, there is, like, there's the whole Nazi scene on ice. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The banners and everything. Uh, yeah. and, and this is about when Rainbow arrives at the event and tries to get to Smoochie, although he's stalled by some kids and parents who want a photo with Rainbow. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's actually really cute because he like yeah. he's like friends come all sizes click <laughs> the picture being taken so cute yep uh back on the ice show smoochie sees across the uh arena a burgundy hippo costume it's his cousin <laughs> he skates oh slowly towards it as the opera aria hits its peak <laughs> and buggy is woken up by the music from the nap he had been taking in the rafters and starts to take aim once again Smoochie mourns his friend live on ice (laughs) as Rainbow runs up into the rafters and Buggy takes aim. Uh, (laughs) Buggy takes aim for Smoochie. He shoots as Rainbow tackles him and the bullet clips the horn of the rhino. Nora, seeing the shot goes off, starts running out into the ice as Buggy and Rainbow wrestle above and Smoochie starts falling backwards in slow motion. (laughs) Again, imagine you're a kid. Imagine you're a child. <laughs> ice show. First of all, I would, I would beg my parents the... to leave. Yeah, I don't know if I'd register. The shot wasn't part of the show at that point. It's been so that, nonsense Yeah, I mean, what's now. weirder? <laughs> they just showed a dead, like, 
quote a dead rhinoceros. I don't know. Yes. But I would be so bored. I'd be like, what is this? What? It's It's like the most... It's the craziest performance art of all time, masquerading as a children's <laughs> ice show. It's Disney yeah. on ice, but produced by, I don't know, like the Wachowskis or something. It's not as crazy. <laughs> oh my god, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good pitches in this episode. I think we really got some strong I know, I think we here. got something here. <laughs> uh, but don't fear, dear listeners, Sheldon is okay. Just the top of his costume was clipped. The rhino horn was knocked off, but he was not shot. And as he gets up, he sees Rainbow and Bugly, Buggy, their struggle leaving them dangling from the uh, catwalk over the ice. Buggy falls to his doom again, terrifying. <laughs> there terrifying. are so many children yeah. in this audience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he hits the ice. R.I.P. to Buggy. Uh, Rainbow, though, he is... lived a long life. <laughs> Question mark. He, I guess, he was involved. <laughs> uh, but Rainbow, luckily, is wrestled back up onto the catwalk by the police, uh, brought to safety. Nora tells Sheldon that Burke was the one who set him up, and Sheldon whips out the gun that he previously loaded, still in his Smoochie costume, and gives chase out onto the street. Smoochie and Burke end up in a dark alley as they <laughs> chase their way through. Burke hiding in and out of the shadows as Smoochie seeks him out. Eventually jumping him from behind, Burke manages to knock him down and gets the gun from Smoochie, pointing it at him. But before he can pull the trigger, Nora points her own gun at Burke and suddenly Smoochie and Nora are back on top. Sheldon grabs the gun. <laughs> this whole end scene is so dramatic. <laughs> it, it is. It's nuts. Sheldon is done. He's had enough of this dark side of showbiz. He takes off the top half of the smoochie costume, so he's just wearing the furry legs, and starts yelling at Burke for killing his friend and setting him up and just being a terrible agent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad agent. He was what a the terrible heck? agent. Uh, I guess he was a setup the whole time, but still, you gotta at least try for your client, people. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Sheldon, not feeling very smoochy-like, is about to shoot Burke, but Tommy and Nora both tell him to stop because Tommy and her goons have just shown up. They were following in his footsteps. Uh, they tell him to stay out of it, begging him not to destroy who he is for this piece of shit. Sheldon, <laughs> after a moment's struggle, gives Tommy the gun, and he and Nora exit as the boys gather Burke and Frank. As Sheldon and Nora finally leave the alley, Tommy and her boys take care of our criminal duo. Uh, goodbye, <laughs> Danny DeVito and John Stewart. <laughs> Had a good run while you lasted. I think the way she does it, too, she asks if they've ever taken a trip together. <laughs> yeah, they. she's like, you boys ever travel together before? <laughs> and I love that it's basically Tommy that tells mm -hmm. Sheldon to be your. You need to be yourself. You can't let this destroy who you are and who you've become. Because uh, early, uh, kind of sprinkled throughout the movie... Um, Sheldon is revealed to have gone to anger management. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember that, but when yes. Nora came over, he's like, oh yeah, an anger management. And so he's clearly worked very hard to become mm -hmm. this kind of person that he is. And Tommy doesn't want that to be tainted, but she knows who she is. <laughs> like she <laughs> knows who she is and she's going to protect yep. him from, she's going to protect his innocence and be who she is and what she thrives at. <laughs> she's yeah, a strong, independent woman in a high, in a, in a male dominated field. And she's really, she's, she understands. <laughs> yeah, she gets it. She's great. I love her. 
Yep. Uh, but that's the comeuppets for our, our villains of this movie. Uh, the only ones remaining are those who are solidly our protagonists at this point. Uh, Tommy and Nora, <laughs> who walk back outside the studio. Their show isn't over. It's just beginning. They have a big mm-hmm. kiss. The camera swirls around them with all the lights starting to blur. And we swirl right through time into the introduction of the Smoochie the Rhino and Rainbow Randall show. They're a ah. duo. They're performing together. <laughs> Uh, it's so and this, sweet. It's so sweet. And this is uh, all on ice because, of course, ice shows are the pinnacle of children's entertainment. And also what the <laughs> credits play over for you know some of the top billings. So this is come to the credits of the movie. Uh, but you do get to watch a little bit of like Robin Williams being a performer and it's very fun. So I recommend watching the credits. It's very fun. It's very fun. And it plays over uh, Your Love is Lifting Me Higher, mm-hmm. which prior to this, that song would remind me of the end of Ghostbusters 2. Um, <laughs> they, that, that song is played while the Ghostbusters are in, like, Statue of Liberty. Uh, it's mm. the song they use to get the statue in the slime oh, to, like, yeah. react. <laughs> but then I heard, and now I think about this movie, actually, when I hear mm. Your Love is Lifting Me Higher. It's just as absurd and fun <laughs> and beautiful. And yeah, at the end, Robin Williams or Rainbow Randolph, he's all recovered from his physical ailments and he looks like Rainbow Randolph again. Mm-hmm. He's back. He's, very sweet. He's he's put in the work and now with his uh, new friend, they, they can put on the performance of a lifetime. Uh, and it's very it's a very sweet happy note to end on because you really do root for Randall Rainbow throughout this whole movie, even though he is for mm-hmm. a very long point the antagonist. You just want him to be happy. Yeah. But that is, that's the movie, uh, other than some possibly Comic Sans credits. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That was Comic Sans, and yes, I clocked it, and I was like, <laughs> who did this? <laughs> I was looking at it, and I'm like, it looks like Comic Sans. And I think in my heart of hearts, I know it's Comic Sans, but I don't want it to be, and so I'm desperately searching my memory <laughs> for any other font it could possibly <laughs> be. No. No, it's Comic Sans, I'm sad to say. Ooh, oh. Danny, did Fun you do this? Matters. Who did this? Danny. Danny. <laughs> Danny. Come on. Uh. Everything else is so artistically done, and then Comic Sans? You're kidding. <laughs> uh, I guess it fits for this movie, but still. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of fitting for this movie, you know, we've, we've come to the end of it. So, Roses, do you have any sort of like closing thoughts on the movie as a whole? Um, I like to ask, like, maybe what situation would you recommend our audience watch this in and just sort of your final takeaways from it? Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting movie in that it's both feel good and kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this is a really good example of, like I said, it's it's dark humor, but it's not mm. punching down. And I think a lot of dark humor can be a little maybe too edgy, almost um, upsetting, I would mm. go as far to say. The dark humor can be upsetting. Uh, something like American Psycho, I guess that's considered mm-hmm. dark. That's one of my favorite movies as well. And that's considered dark humor, but it's very dark. It's, it's emphasis on the dark, right? Right. So this kind of dark comedy is very uplifting so i would say if you want a comedy with edgy but not overly insulting yes it's very brash you know it's very um it can be obscene at times Mm -hmm. i would say but unlike other dark films this lead was not nihilistic he was not negative we have a dark comedy with a very light-hearted lead protagonist like a very uh, warm-hearted and optimistic viewpoint and I don't know if I can say that for many other dark <laughs> comedies you know 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think if you compare this to something like an American Psycho, the the protagonist, the lead being so genuinely warm and uh, mm-hmm. kind-hearted and you know, not nihilistic, just t- makes this fit in a weird niche of like dark comedy that you can watch and still feel good about after. Because sometimes it's that can yeah. be a difficult zone for comedy, dark comedies in particular, to hit. But I watched this movie for the first time, and when it finished, I was like, "That was really fun." dark but really entertaining and heartwarming mm-hmm. and very funny <laughs> yeah almost kind of saccharine by yeah. the end there it was getting a little like that whole mm-hmm. outro uh credit it was getting a little syrupy <laughs> uh but yeah a, a, another dark film that my dad was a big like dark comedy guy and he liked mm. kind of the more negative ones so there's one called like how to murder your wife like literally <laughs> it's called how to murder your wife and again, just like American Psycho, it has this protagonist that is just very unlikable. Um, or at least you're not supposed to like them, right? Right. And I think in Smoochie, they tried to, at first, make it seem like Sheldon would be annoying. You know, Nora mm-hmm. was kind of annoyed with him right off the bat. But honestly, his kind of overly warm heart, that made me want to be like a Sheldon Mopes. <laughs> it made me want to be a little more hippie-like and, mm-hmm. uh, you know healthy and and overly kind-hearted because he just it worked for that character and mm-hmm. yeah i i this this film has a bad reputation um i'm not sure why i don't know if it's because people just didn't know what to expect i i don't remember what the marketing was like when mm-hmm. this film came out but it was not liked it was especially not liked by critics and i think it's surely because of the whole kind of plot synopsis it was like too absurd I right. guess for them, the whole kids net, um, corrupt children's television, how can one ta- <laughs> how do you suspend your disbelief for that, basically? Right. Um, but I don't think you have to. I just took it as it was. And yeah, yeah now it's one of my very favorite, all-time favorite movies. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this. I think it falls into a category of like, I, I have three categories for bad movies. You know, they're either critically panned, uh, but otherwise well made, or maybe they just have um, a lot of technical errors, but the story's really good, or they're technically bad and there's really ter- feel terrible to watch. This is definitely in that first category for me of like, maybe it was critically panned, and that's why we don't mm-hmm. talk about it quite as much, but it's a really en- enjoyable watch, and I especially enjoyed. Um, I was surprised by how well the cinematography and production design fit with the story they were trying to tell. It's uh, yeah, somehow both incredibly bright and childish and dark and moody at the same time, which is difficult to balance without fully going in like a dark night direction and not being able to see anything on screen <laughs> or going full Barney True. and seeing too much. They were really good at hitting that middle ground, which just helps sell the whole uh, absurdity of the situation but the world that this movie exists in as well um and it's just it, there's a lot of jokes that still land a lot of the comedy all yeah. holds up i it was i had a really good time watching this it's a, a lesser known movie that I, I recommend people go check out if they have the time <laughs> i always like it when we can end an episode and actually recommend the movie to people <laughs> oh yeah definitely i was not about to choose a movie where i ended like and i don't <laughs> recommend this film goodbye <laughs> like i definitely wanted to come in and recommend something i think people really would enjoy yeah i'm, I'm glad uh well i hope that everyone out there takes our advice and goes and checks this out but uh in the meantime if they'd like to watch some other content from you pushing up roses roses uh where can they check you out 
you can find me at youtube.com slash pushing up roses where i have my youtube channel i i cover everything from murder she wrote to children's horror and i will give you guys a little sneak peek you're the only ones who know Ooh. this as of right now <laughs> i am covering the ferris bueller television show from Ooh. very yeah uh commercial <laughs> flop no one knows about it has jennifer aniston in it so <laughs> you might want to check out my channel in the future to see that disaster um otherwise i'm also on instagram and twitter at the same username awesome well all of that will be linked in the show notes below so be sure to check that stuff out i highly recommend the murder she wrote videos i've been really enjoying them yes. going back through them recently um oh thank and, you yeah great stuff I, i'm a huge murder <laughs> mystery fan so this and somehow never watched the show so now i now i feel like i've got another bit of my watch list to go through uh after this nice. episode <laughs> 12 seasons, baby. <laughs> Watch them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I love, love, give me all the good content. But uh, Roses, thank you so much for joining me. This has been uh, a real treat. And uh, we'll catch all of you guys next episode with another movie that is, as per usual on the show, as of yet unchosen. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, all right. That's a that's a that's a picture wrap on us. I'm afraid our time slot has been replaced by a, a maybe not a rhino, a hippo. I heard was potentially up for the kids slot this time no. around. Who can say? Well, anyway. you know what I have to do: murder him. <laughs> that is the only plausible thing I can do. Yes. Catch you next time on um, Death to Movie Struck. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on May 2nd to talk about Bakuro, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the podcast before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And for more from our guest, Pushing Up Roses, be sure to check out the links to her YouTube and socials in the show notes below.